0: Amen. Thank you so much, Dan. And it's, it is so lovely to be with you this morning. And uh, as Dan says, I'm from City Church in Newcastle here with my wife, Jill, and I've got three boys. Uh, middle son Adam lives in Leeds. He's here too. And uh, we love Mosaic Church in Newcastle. Um, we love Love Nations. Who's coming to Love Nations? Yeah. We'll be at Love Nations. Be so good. Uh, we were at New Day, which is a youth festival the last time it was on about three years ago, and the Mosaic Church fed us. Hey, what's not to like? Um, Matt Hatch, who uh, you'll know well, he's helped us through a time of leadership transition, and Dan is just a great friend. And uh, one of the things about great Christian friends is they point you to Jesus, and they also inspire you in your calling. And as Dan mentioned, we have a shared calling for the nations. And I sometimes forget this, so don't you ever forget what God's called you to do, when I'm with Dan, I can never forget that I have according to the nation. So it's lovely to be with you. And actually, we're talking about friendship today, so I've entitled the talk Perfect Friend, Imperfect Friends. Now, bits of this are going to be quite interactive, so I hope you're a responsive uh, congregation. So, question Who is our perfect friend? Very, we're going to get on well. Hey, that's off to a good start. Okay, another question. Who are our imperfect friends? Yes. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are my imperfect friend. Great. Well, we're going to read some verses from the Bible now, uh, from the book of Colossians. And uh, if you're anything like me, this can just go over your head. So this is going to be a quiz. So you've got to be on your toes, because after you've read these verses, I'm going to ask you, Paul mentions a whole stream of friends. See if you can count up how many friends he mentions. Uh, see if you can remember some of the names of his friends. And see if you can remember something about them. Okay, so are you ready? Are you ready for this? Let's go for it. Do you like, do you like reading together? Do you do that? Do you read the scriptures together? No, no, no. I'll read it to you then. <laughs> okay, this is Colossians 4 uh, from verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the Doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Okay, so any count? Te- very good. Ten friends. G- give me a name of one of the, one of the friends he mentioned. Tychicus. What a great name! Anything about Tychicus, Matt? Can't remember. Okay. So he says of Tychicus, he's. Uh, I- I'm helped by this because, by the way, you can cheat if you've got a Bible. You can. You're allowed to cheat in this section. Tychicus is described as a dear brother and faithful minister. So you've got this lovely combination of they're serving God together. And they're also friends. Any other names? Oh, sorry, guy up there. Mark, yeah, John Mark. That's excellent, yes. Uh, who? And we're going to hear more about Mark later on, so thanks for that. And Luke over here, that's really good. Uh, you're choosing the easy names now. Anybody want to stretch out a bit? Anesimus. Now, Anesimus is really interesting because he was a slave. And one of the things about Christian friendship is you get this immense diversity of Paul's friends people who were slaves, people who were well-off, women and men, people who, from different nations and different backgrounds. So this speaks to us of the tremendous diversity of Christian friendship. Excellent. Any more? Nympha. Nymphus or Nympha. Yes. Yes. So anything about her? Excellent. Yes. Yeah, she opened a the house. There was a church meeting in her home. And again, Christian friendship. We see this sense of community. Any more? Demas, yeah, and we're going, we won't see more about Demas now, because Demas features later on. He has a starring, if somewhat dubious, role later on in the talk. So thank you. We'll come back to Demas. You're doing, you've got most of them. Um, Aristarchus, yes. Uh, anything about Aristarchus? Yeah, and he was probably a voluntary prisoner. So Paul was imprisoned. And Aristarchus chose to go into prison to be with him. So this is a great sense of Christian friendship that we suffer with one another. We bear one another's burdens. Any more? You you guys are so good. Um, Epaphras, yes. And what was Epaphras doing? Wrestling in prayer. Yeah, and again, Christian friendship. Who's good at wrestling in prayer? Mm, Challenging. But again, Christian friendship. We pray for one another. And there was another one? Jesus Justice, yes, what a name. Hey, Jesus Justice, who, uh, anything about him? I think he was a Jew. And so, yeah, and sends a greeting, very good. And there was just one more um, Archippus. What does Paul say to Archippus or for Archippus? Yeah complete the work you've received, and again, Christian friendship is encouraging and stirring one another in the grace of God. So you read through that, and you might think, well, Christian friendship is really easy. It's all opening homes and praying for one another, but let's be honest. Wave at me if you've never, ever, ever been let down by a Christian friend. Okay, yeah, it is a bit more complex than that, isn't it? And I love John Piper's quote. He says, Christian ministry, and we're all in Christian ministry, Christian ministry is relationally hard and yet you know there can be many challenges and disappointments and we'll see some of that today and yet we desperately need those people christian friends who would encourage us pray with us open their homes to us i spoke to a, a couple of great christian ministers from another church in newcastle recently and they said we don't actually have any friends but wow it can be so challenging in christian ministry so I want to pray for us now. So let's come before God and let's pray together. Yeah, Lord, I'm praying that you will speak to each one of us about friendship this morning. You know what we need, Lord God. And Lord, I can remember times of loneliness and crying out to you and the friends you provided me with. And I pray you'll speak into every heart what you're saying to us about friendship, that you'll cause us to branch out today, cross barriers of culture, make new friends. You'll Encourage us to restore friendships and to forgive others. And you'll, above all, Father, you'll lead us to Jesus in your name. Amen. So let's start with Jesus, our perfect friend. Now, Jesus had an amazing taste in friends, and this was obvious even to his enemies. And they gave Jesus this name, and they meant it as an insult, but he took it as a compliment. So they called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus said, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's who I am. And uh, tax collectors were the traitors of the day. They sided with the Romans, the occupiers, against the people. And they were criminals. They would steal and extort from the poor. So this is pretty extreme. They were the most hated people in the country. And Jesus says, I hang out with the people everyone else hates. Now, who might that be today? Well, I guess think of groups like gypsies or sometimes asylum seekers, or maybe Islamic extremists. There was something really radical about Jesus's friendship. He went to the extreme. And the poor loved it. Those on the margins, they couldn't stay away from Jesus. They were attracted to him. It it was the religious people who found him hard. So this is either really good news or really bad news. And I You know, we say we're sinners, don't we? It's like Christian jargon, we're sinners. But I think often we actually think we're pretty good. I know I have this problem. And when I forget what I'm really like, I can maybe turn my nose up at Jesus in his love for sinners. Or maybe I think, well, perhaps I have to clean up my act before Jesus would really be my friend. But actually, this is the most wonderful news, because if as a Christian, maybe, or a Christian here today, maybe you've got some difficulties difficulties or sin in your life. Jesus is the friend of sinners, and he moves towards you. Or maybe you're here today for the first time, and you're just exploring this Jesus thing, and maybe you're thinking your life isn't quite right. This is really, really good news. Whatever's going on in your life, Jesus is moving towards you today. He says, you know, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. When you realize you're a sinner, you cannot stay away from Jesus. You're drawn towards him and he can't stay away from you. He pulls you into his heart. One of the things about the friendship with Jesus is he says to his disciples, he says, look, I'm not calling you servants, I'm calling you friends because everything I learned from the Father I've made known to you. So, when Jesus calls you into friendship, He's opening His heart to you. He's telling you things that He might tell to nobody else. And He's also wanting you to speak with Him. And this is actually why I became a Christian. You see, every human friend will fail you. And even thinking about friendship can be pay- painful, can't it? Uh, Maybe because friends have let you down. Even close relationships, the closest friend or in marriage with a wife or husband, there's pain and limitation. I know Jill would, would tell you that about me and some of my limitations. With whom can I be fully open? Does he really love me as I am? But in the gospel, we have this amazing promise from Jesus. We have a friend who will always enjoy our presence. And we have somebody who will never turn us away. And about 40 years ago, I was at college in Durham and I went into the dining hall of one of the colleges. And there was a guy speaking about Jesus. And as he spoke, it was like Jesus came off the page and came alive to me. And there were two things that really struck me that day. Jesus knows everything about me and he loves me. And I was irresistibly drawn by that love, that total knowledge that I could never, ever surprise him, and yet that he loved me. And I actually got out of my seat, and I walked to the front of the hall, and I said, look, Jesus, here I am. Here's my life. You know all my mess. (laughs) And receive me. And that was the day that changed my life. And there's a great bit in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is talking to the church in Laodicea, which is very close to the church in Colossae and he says to this you don't them you don't realize that you're wretched pitiful poor naked and blind so he's saying this to these folk you're wretched poor pitiful naked and blind what's he going to say next well what he says next he says let's have dinner together he says here i am i stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice and open the door i will come in and eat with you and they with me if anyone 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 will open the door to me. He comes in to eat with us, whether we're wretched, pitiful, poor, naked, and blind. And he clothes us and feeds us. That's what Jesus is like. Isn't it wonderful that in Jesus we have this perfect friend? So let's think now about imperfect friends. And uh, actually, one of the things about Jesus and Paul is this diversity of friendship that they had. And they had this real focus in their lives on mission and the purpose of God, but they also had these very broad friendships. And Jesus continually broke convention with his friendships. And Luke actually focuses on this a lot in Jesus' friendships with women, which for a rabbi at that time, you would not have had friendships with women. Jesus completely turned this on on its head. And Luke says this about Jesus' friendships with women. He says, also with him were some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So although women would have been considered inferior and no religious teacher would have befriended them, Jesus had these really deep friendships with women like Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, and it healed them of demons, and all sorts of deep things. You know, when Jesus becomes our friend, he heals us of really, really deep things. What's also wonderful about these friendships is they were two-way. So Jesus was their friend, they were his friend. So they helped to support him out of their own means. So these were really close, strong, mutual relationships. And they were journeying together towards Jerusalem. So Jesus was in these really close relationships with women moving towards Jerusalem. And then finally, Luke just makes the comment that there were many others. And there's this openness about Jesus' friendship. And we're to be a church we are open in our friendships. We're not to be cliquey. There are always new people coming in to make friends with. But when we think of friendships with one another, um, I think there's a danger sometimes, particularly if we've been hurt. We can think, well, I've got Jesus and that's enough. You know, I've got a close friendship with Jesus, and I'll just stay at a safe distance from others because I've had some bad experiences. But actually, it's not enough. Jesus is not enough. Because God made us to be in family. And God made us to need, you know, uncles and aunts in the body of Christ, and cousins and mums and dads and brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces. And you'll have seen this throughout the letter of Colossians as you've been studying it that we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus and to focus on him, we're also told to forgive and love one another. And these themes of loving God and loving one another in family come, out, come up throughout the letter. And I certainly need to be reminded about this because I've had my disappointments in friendship and uh, I was just thinking about a couple who Jill and I uh, knew over a number of years. They came into the church, we really loved them, we became really good friends, we served God together. We supported them in many ways. We discipled them. We helped them go into leadership. Um, when they had their first baby, we went to the hospital with them. It was really great. They were lovely people. We got on really, really well. Then, over a fairly short period, they seemed to become really angry and unhappy with us, and we couldn't quite work out why. So we met up and tried to talk it all through, and... They said they wanted to leave the church, and they weren't happy with the whole church. He said, well, don't leave the church. We, let's talk some more, let's pray together, let's work this through. So they left. And you know, Christian ministry can be relationally really hard. And, you know, that brings me to Demas, who we mentioned earlier, and we find a brief mention of Demas here, who sends greetings. But if you trace Demas through uh, Paul's letters, he actually appears a few times. And the final mention of Demas we find in 2 Timothy chapter four, where Paul says this, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Paul was in prison, he was in a really tough time, and Demas had left him. And that's actually the last we hear of Demas. And it's true, isn't it? If we make friends in Christian ministry and we're serving God together, it's possible people will leave us and never return. Now, what was in Thessalonica for Demas? Was it a a job? Was it an easier life? Was it a woman? We, We don't know, but what we do know is he didn't leave Paul to serve Jesus. He left Jesus to serve the world. And it's possible for friends in Christian ministry to leave us and never return. Sometimes they, they, that, it's a good thing that they leave us. You know, we build with people and we send them. I know Mosaic is a sending church. Send people out to the Middle East or to the Philippines or wherever. And that's a really, really good thing to do, but it's still really painful, isn't it? So what did we do with our friends when they left us? Well, we went round to their house. They wouldn't let us in. We put a note under their door, said, Please, and they came back and said, we don't want to speak to you again, don't get in touch. We really loved their son, and we knew they were expecting another baby. We never heard about the other baby. You know, when you experience that sort of pain, friends aren't always helpful. And uh, one of our friends said to us, you know, after all you did for them, they treated you so badly. <laughs> and it, Moments like that, you have a choice. You think, what, what am I going to do with this? And we thought, no, forget that. We want to bless them. So we sought to speak well of them, despite the pain. And then a pastor from another church got in touch with us to say that this couple were serving in that church and wanting to s- start something there. And again, we thought, well, we're just not going to slag them off. So we, we sought to honor them in what we said about them. And what we did was we brought that pain to Jesus, What we didn't do was to think we're never, ever, ever going to get close to people again. (laughs) We brought it to Jesus, and we continue to invest in Christian friendship. And you may not have an experience quite like that, but if you serve God over a long time, you will experience pain in Christian friendships. On a more positive note, let's look at Mark now. So Mark is another really interesting character, friend of Jesus's, friend of Paul's rather, and the friend of Jesus. And we read, we read here, Mark sends you greetings in verse 10. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, what's interesting about Mark is he had been with Paul previously. So in the book of Acts, they went on a missionary journey together. It was a really scary journey. It was Paul, his friend Barnabas, and Mark. And Mark deserts them. So in the middle of the journey, Mark just goes off. And later on, Paul and Barnabas are going on another journey, and Barnabas says, I think we should give Mark another chance. And Paul says, no way am I taking that guy with me after what happened last time. So you might think at that point, that's it for Paul and Mark. But later on, we discover there's been this amazing reconciliation. And Paul and Mark are serving God together again, and Paul is commending Mark to the church in Colossae. And this shows us a wonderful truth. It's possible for friends in Christian ministry to leave you and to return. We had another friend, Ahmed, I'll call him, um, an Afghan guy, and he became a Christian at City Church, and he got the right to remain in the UK. Then he vanished for a bit, and he came back, and he got married. And he'd married a Muslim uh, lady, and I thought, well, it might have been good to have a conversation about that first. And then he just vanished. And we didn't see him for about six or seven years. And then one day, he walked back into the church. And it was just amazing. So I hugged him, met up with him. And he told me something of his story. And he said, um, the marriage had fallen apart. And he'd been doing something with a friend. And he'd, the friend had done something wrong. But my, uh, this Ahmed was wrongly convicted and went to prison. He'd spent some time in prison. And he said, well, while I was in prison, I really met God, and he changed my life. And his whole family had rejected him, um, but he tracked down his brother in France. He turned up at the door with some gifts, crying. His brother began to cry. His brother gave his life to Jesus. And this guy has a real evangelistic gift, and he's become part of our fellowship, and he's doing really, really well, and he's a really, really good friend. So it's just really encouraging to think, even when relationships seem to have broken down, that they can come back. Again, and be really, really good. So there's this is tension in human friendship, isn't there? We don't want to make idols out of friends. Jesus comes first. So if, if we if we have a person where we say Matt is the one who makes me happy, as long as Matt loves me, I'm okay. We can put a weight on that friendship that actually only Jesus can bear. But sometimes we can go the other way, can't we? And think, well, I won't actually get close to anybody, and that's equally dangerous. And one example of this is, is one of the church fathers, or Augustine, um, had a friend called Nebridius. He was really, really close to him, and this guy died. And Augustine thought, well, the conclusion is, don't get too close to other Christians, only get close to Jesus, because if you get close to other Christians, they're bound to break your heart. But C.S. Lewis comes along, admittedly, about 1,400 years later, So he didn't actually have the conversation with Augustine, but he said, that's not the right conclusion, Augustine. And C.S. Lewis says this about love and friendship. He says this, he says, there's no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. So good old C.S. Lewis there. So he's saying, you know, if we engage in Christian friendship, we will get hurt. That's part of the deal. But really, the alternative is so much worse. And I think Paul puts this beautifully when describing the Christians in Macedonia. He says this of them. He says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us as well. Isn't that beautiful? What a model for church community. We, we've given ourselves first to Jesus. And therefore, we can give ourselves to one another with all the potential for joy and sorrow and pain that that brings. So why don't we respond to God? And I think the band are going to come back. Can we all stand, please? Yeah, so let's come to Jesus. Now, Jesus is drawn to us if we're wretched, pitiful, poor, naked and blind. Maybe you want to say, well, Lord, that's me. Maybe you've said that before and you want to say it again this morning. Or maybe for the first time say, Lord, yeah, I'm pitiful. I'm poor. I'm wretched. And this is what Jesus says to you. He says... Look, I stand at the door and knock. You open the door to me. I will come in and eat with you and you with me. Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe for you, there's a particular friendship that's come to mind that you're thinking, well, actually, I need to forgive or I need to seek restoration. Maybe you're just lonely and saying, Lord, please, Lord, will you show me, will you open my heart Will you show me where I can find friends, where I can find Christian friends? Show me the people I can build community with. Or maybe you're sensing a calling to look beyond the church and say, well, Lord, take me out. Take me to those who are different from me. Take me to those who are from different backgrounds or classes or nations or races. Lord, help me to be a friend to them. Father, we, we bring all these request to you lord we bring our hearts to you father we say thank you for jesus thank you that he's our perfect friend and lord we want to commit ourselves to loving and forgiving one another and lord pray for mosaic south that you will make this an open community even more than it is now an attractive community and you'll draw many in to this community from different backgrounds in jesus name amen